Just a quick note before today's show. While we have transformed our entire platform to respond to the ongoing crisis, increasing our production of both podcast episodes and blogs, we cannot continue without your support. Please consider making a donation or contributing as a volunteer to support our active engagement at this critical time. happy to be joined today on this episode of Insight Myanmar podcast with Rahel and Damon Lim. And we're going to be telling a story that spans different continents and countries, including obviously Myanmar or Hong Kong in Europe and uh, how this all comes together through the medium of art. And we'll get into that story in just a moment. So for you guys, thanks for joining us and having a bit of a chat here. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for inviting us. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So we, I know that uh, eventually we want to get a bit into Damon's story as a Hong Kong artist and some of the experiences he had that are similar to what some Burmese artists are going through now. But before we get to that, I think it's, um, it's, it's quite valuable to hear their story and what they've done in Switzerland where they are now. I should mention that the fuller story and the more details of this shared already by Rahel on, on our podcast. It's a, a very good conversation about her background and what led her to do the project that they were doing. And so we'll be talking about that in a bit broadly here before moving on to Damon's story. And so suggest listeners who want to hear the full story to tune in there. But to get caught up to speed for those who have never heard of you or don't know anything about the project that you just did, can you give us some some of your personal background and then tell us what project you did and why you did it? So um, my name, as you already said, is Rahel and uh, Damon is my husband. And 2015, we found a cup of color with the goal to bring art to places where there is brokenness, where there is... Um, kind of different struggles and we started actually the work started with painting in a red light district with women they got sold in the average of 10 years old in Kolkata in the West, West Bengal and so for years what we did is like we painted walls with people they went through very difficult situations and we painted the walls in their community to give signs of hope and of life so that they see every day when they wake up or when they walk through the streets that they see something that encourages them to go on and encourages them to to not give up and to to have a smile on their face, especially as 
everyone was a part of painting these walls, right? It was always like, what is the sign of hope and what, how can we express it? And then it happened, uh, the whole uh, story with Hong Kong happened and the, the demonstrations and it turns our life totally upside down because Damon is from Hong Kong. Even though we were already in Switzerland, which was not kind of, we didn't, we went to Switzerland in the hope of like, we go to Switzerland and we will go back to Hong Kong. And then everything started and Damon started to do protest art. And this influenced our whole family. Like it was not, I mean, it was his pain, but it was also, it's also our home. It's like we lived together with his parents. Their parents became my parents, my mom and dad. Um, Hong Kong is like our home for, for our children. It's like, the, it's their home. They see themselves as Hong Konger. Mm. And suddenly we had war all the time in our house, even though we lived in Switzerland and no one saw it. It's like the silence, like you, you carried in you all the pictures, all the images. You, you get messages from friends you don't know, like surrounded by police, you don't know what happened to them. You are here in a holy world, but at the same time, in yourself there is war and in the house there is war. Mm. And there was such a devastated um, experience. And I think mm. for, for both of us, it was very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I am not a Hong Kong woman, so I felt almost guilty to be so inside. <laughs> at the same time, I sometimes feel so felt so angry that it's all the time here. And at the same time, I, I was worrying all the time. So it's this confusion of feelings. And, mm -hmm. and our kids, they were crying. I remember our smallest daughter, she wrote a letter to a friend of us and in this letter she wrote, you told me that I should dream big. Can you please bring me to Hong Kong? And this friend wrote me and said, do you know what your daughter asked me? And I said, not really, actually. And she wrote in the letter, I will pay. Um, I think my parents can pay for my flight, but yours you have to pay by yourself. And our daughter is just seven, was seven years old at that time, or six, I can't remember exactly. Was it seven? <clears throat> and it really shows, you know, how deep this wish to go back and see grandparents was or is in, in our kids' lives. At the same time, we don't know if we can go back. We don't know what is the consequences. We don't know what happened. We just, no one can tell us. So in this time, going through all these feelings, um, we started to ask ourselves, how does other people experience this? who are away from their home, who had to flee or not to, or like were already away and then something happened. How do they experience and how are they? Um, I mean, we worked a lot with refugees, but this was suddenly the, the topic of home became very different and it totally changed. And... Um, it was so comforting when people asked me, how is Hong Kong? Even I even though it was a thousand times the same story, but it was so helpful to to have places where we could talk about it. And so um, last year in summer, we got this message from Raise Free Fingers if you could paint the wall for them. And for us, it was really like, for sure, this is like, let's paint a wall, like, you know, with uh, Raise Free Fingers, like with the sign. And then... 
in the whole process of our own process of dealing with all the painful images and all the traumatic experience we had and all these these memories and stories and films we saw and all in our our mindset we started to ask what can we actually do to heal our own trauma and also help others and when this call came suddenly we talked about it Damon and me and we said what would happen if we would paint actually a wailing wall not not just an awareness wall but really a wall where people can just express their pain and put down what is they carry inside and um so then we went actually to an organization to ask if they would help us to to do this because we have no money and we didn't have a wall but this didn't happen um it was they were not open for it and so we said let's search by ourselves and then the first and then the situation happened with afghanistan and we have brothers and sisters from afghanistan so we were like, okay, let's do a wall for them first. And then we made this mural for Afghanistan where we invited the community to express their pain. And to be very honest, we would have loved to do it for our own home, but it's so difficult to do something for Hong Kong in a way of like, you have a very, the fear of China in the back is quite big. So we were like, yeah, we're not able or couldn't yet doing it. Um so then we did it for Hong Kong and then we started to search one for Myanmar. And I cannot tell you how, like it is a crazy miracle that we found a wall in the midst of Zurich to do this. It's like, I don't know, maybe it was the right time, the right people. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. We we never expected it. We never, we were just asking around and in retro perspective, now <laughs> I'm searching for a wall again. It is so headache and difficult and I don't even know. And it just opened and it was just possible. And then we, as soon as we had the wall, we just started to contact um, different organizations over the internet, the Swiss uh, diaspora from Myanmar and asked if they want to express their pain on this wall. And people send it us. 160 messages in two weeks really like one after the other and we painted them on the wall for them um yeah this is what we did as a wall and then we made a film about it which is now which might be also shown in a human rights festival hopefully and um for us it was really about giving a voice in a very dark time and helping a little to release the pain and the traumas that we have a space where it, our pain is seen and that we are not alone with it. And I honestly, I would dream of having, a, that's my dream. And I'm at the moment, I I'm, keep thinking about, but I really would like to have a huge, so if anyone listens and has an idea or knows, I don't know, but I would love to have a very long, huge wall and, and draw um, like, Painting women from Sudan, Myanmar, um, Iran, Syria, um, and so on. And then to really have a wall of pain, voices of forgotten places, you know, of places that they are not. I mean, Iran is not forgotten, but so there I would question, but right, Sudan, Myanmar, they're not, not seen. And I would like to have 
a wall where you would see this cry together that it's not just one country and it's not just a small place. There are many. And um, yeah, this is <laughs> so. Let's hope and pray and let's see. But I don't know. It, it would be a miracle and I so far I couldn't get through it. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for those listeners that want to take the time to go on your Instagram or look at your at the documentary, you can see some of the uh, see what the wall looks like visually. But for those listeners who are just in the process of listening now, and maybe they'll get to that later, can you describe some of the images that went up on that wall? So it was um, the the picture shows a woman holding up the free thing, right? The free thing is the the gesture. And it's a woman who is mourning over her lost family member who got killed. And we especially used a woman that it's not a well-known woman because we wanted that it's a sign for many because mothers and carry the pain all over. And then in her clothes, there are all the um, pictures that the people send us. So there is like messages like, Mom, I miss you, or like... Um, I. What? So there's um there's some are sketches, drawings, and uh, paintings, and also some are sentences, in their own language in Burmese or in English, poems and letters, so there's different form of text and images, the um, the people send us uh, as a submission and then we we um. We painted for them, yeah, on the wall. Yeah, so there's, for example, like, there's one of the poems is like, inside the prison I meet my country. Or there's also some of the people they got killed in the beginning. Mm. Or there is like a woman with tears or mm. someone praying. Mm. There's also two people like behind mm. a prison. I feel fallen angels. Those people, they, they passed away. During the protest, or yeah, and there's also in uh, poems in Burmese, but also in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some symbol of the country, some food symbols. Mm-hmm. I'm mean, like missing the food of my mom. Mm-hmm. And we especially named uh, this this war mural uh, "Tears Matter" because we want to talk about tear matters very much. That we need to give a space, give a place for the people to name their pain, to place their suffering, uh, those frustration, especially uh, I think a lot of these emotions or um, the, the traumatic experience is still not solved. And um, I would say it's still in a, a lot of uh, tough process for the people they experienced the loss of their family or the loss of their home and so uh, I think this is um, another kind of transformation of this sadness and and helplessness mm. Mm, right and I, I think what's interesting looking at it uh, what you've created is uh first of all it's hard to get Myanmar on uh to 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 bring awareness to international community it's something that mm-hmm. all of us who really care about know it's very hard to bring this and then 
if you are able to break out and actually reach new audiences and, and create mm-hmm. greater engagement, it's so temporary. It's something that yes. is uh, is just kind of a flicker, and then it's a, a moment on the social media feed or an international headline or even some event or show or you know, like on on our side, our nonprofit has done. Um, we we managed to show paintings from Myanmar artists and a New York City gallery that was offered to us last year. It was wonderful. It was beautiful, but it was just a few days in length. It was it was just a, a moment in time that someone got to see and experience this. When all that matters, all that counts. But I think you've created something a bit more lasting. That's not just a temporary event, however powerful, but it's something that that is going to remain and uh, that is not just going to go up and, and be appreciated and then move on, but it's going to be there. And so with that in mind, I just, I wonder if like in a very small way, if you found this is becoming something of like a pilgrimage site of like for allies and Burmese themselves who are somewhat in the area, not, not that someone's going to fly across the world to, to come and see it, but if someone's kind of nearby, um, if, if you find that people from different communities are coming to want to see it and take pictures and kind of visit it. I know for myself, if I was anywhere in your neck of the woods, I would definitely want to make a trip to, to see it and get pictures mm-hmm. and kind of feel what was done. So since you've put this up, have you, what, what have you noticed about the reception of, of who's coming and how they're coming and how they're experiencing it? We get, sometimes people make photos. I mean, there is this, um, right. There is these influencers who go around and making photos of walls street and art. street art. Mm-hmm. And then when they, and so they're making photos of it and then they write about Myanmar, even they would never write about it, mm-hmm. which I think it's actually really good. So other people hear about it, they never heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this always moves me because I, I think then more people take the world word Myanmar in their mouth then more it is here. Mm. Like there's a really nice, there's my, in my favorite book it calls I Will Never See the World Again. It's from a Turkish writer who was in the prison. Actually, he was lifelong sentenced, but he finally came out. And he wrote the book in the prison. And he said that every, he said like, I am alive or I live outside because everyone who used my words, he like helped me to travel around the world. So when people speak about me, I am alive. Mm. And I think the same is with with this wall. When people speak about the wall, when they speak about Myanmar, and not only about this wall, but basically whatever we do, right? But when people speak about Myanmar, when they speak about the pain they read or what they saw, then this country is alive. Mm. It travels around its mansion and it has a space. But if no one speaks about it anymore, it's dead. And so this was actually one important point about it. Let's make something that people speak about it. So this is what we noticed. We also noticed that some Myanmar people would, when they travel to Zurich, they would go and look at it, which is, and they're always really, really happy. And many people say when they stand in front, it's actually very impressive. I think uh, one f- first strong t- comment is uh, is a Swiss person, and then he mentioned that he he actually didn't have much relationship to Myanmar, Burma, or anything about this country. But when he stand in front of the wall, uh, he was crying because of reading all these different writings. So he, I think his his heart was connected to to the people experience in Myanmar. 
And I think that's also the power of the wall because it's really in front of you and it gives you time to digest and to to read about or to to look at it and to feel about what's happened. Um, but at the same time, you can make the decision uh, where you want to flow and actually it gives us a chance that the people, they can have a feeling of what the people experience, even a very, very small percentage of feeling only, they can understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one thing is actually interesting is mm-hmm. like because walls right there in public, so mm-hmm. anyone can tack on it, spray it over. You know, you cannot protect the wall. Mm-hmm. It's like <clears throat> people can pass by, they can have the spray can, and they can destroy it in one second. Mm-hmm. So this is also a risk, you know. Also for me, mm-hmm. I I hate this feeling that I that I'm so vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, because. At the end, for me, like, mm. like, how shall I say? But mm. if someone crosses a pain out with a spray can cheaply, it does, it hurts. So it would hurt me so deep, mm. because it's crossing a pain of someone. Mm. So it makes us really vulnerable to create an image in a public space, and especially in Zurich, and especially in this area. And it's very common that people just spray over it. Mm. And now it's there since half a year. And people they tag it actually on it, but not on the on the image, just on the side. And I thought, wow, how this is really strong, you know. This shows that this image shines something out that you don't just touch. Mm-hmm. And the side we can actually fix it, you know, we can mm-hmm. just go again and paint over it on the side. So that's mm-hmm. okay. Um, a certain kind of respect mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that the people they I mean I would say most of the artists still are very egoistic that means I want my art to be shown and seen and so I feel that what we did because we are not doing our own art we are actually reflecting and give a platform for people to express and to deliver the, the pain their the feelings and uh, so actually artists, I think they are being moved and challenged by it at the same time. Yeah. Mm. Mm, that's great to hear. And I think looking for a moment at just <clears throat> this idea of art, creativity, freedom of expression, these are things that to anyone who's grown up in the West, we to, to say we take them for granted is, I think, an underestimate. It's, it's far more than that. We can't really conceive of a life without that freedom, because it's something so second nature to our societies. But in fact, much of human history and much of the world today has had some kind of real acute lack of freedom, or there's been huge consequences and penalties for expressing that freedom. And this is something we see in Myanmar today. There, there have been, they've gone after the creatives in the society. They've, they've killed many of their poets. Uh, of course, musicians and painters and graffiti artists and singers and hip hoppers and just any uh, artists and creatives from any background, they've seen as a danger because they see that these are the people that can, in their view, they, they can they can get in the the, the mass of people's minds and um, 
and uh, convince them with their vision. I think really it's not so much that as much as these artists are finding a way to express and release the cumulative and subconscious vision that many people have, but they're just doing it in, in a very profound way that touches upon this collective unconscious. And so looking at this idea of a freedom and a freedom of expression as we enjoy in the West, as is seen on the wall, and then in places like Myanmar, uh, or Hong Kong and many other places where this freedom is seen as a threat and it's it's limited in in really terrible ways you have given you've used the 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 freedom available in your society to be able to share this story and this vision from those who don't have this in in their country and i think it's very interesting that damon is coming from hong kong as i understand is an artist there who you, you've suffered from this as well having your freedom limited having to face uh, very terrible consequences for uh, trying to express a freedom of vision and of creativity. So I, I wonder what, coming from that background, um, what similarities you've seen and what solidarity you've managed to find as you've begun to understand more and more the Myanmar story and as you've come in contact with more and more Myanmar artists and creatives and activists. Yeah, I think, um, firstly... Um, I think about solidarity is true that in many many places when they got um, like a repression, they, when they experience injustice, that actually um, a lot of people they have to make decision. Um, not only about artists that that if they want to continue with what they believe, uh, what is right, and or, or this. They decide to. They have to stay silent or to to live with it and to just uh, ignore what's happening, right? But I feel through the many civil move, movement, people they have to realize that it's more and more difficult to stay blind. So I guess um, it makes um, more and more people they have to decide. Yes, I don't care about it. I just live the, the life that I can survive. I can earn money, or no, I'm gonna make some make a difference and and to reflect. And so, I think as artists, I'm actually me and my wife. We we did a lot of community art. So I would say we are staying quite. Um, we step back quite a lot. We are not so much stand front. We are more seeing the need of the people of the society, uh, but uh, this is um, also a strength that we have and the experience that we felt. Actually, most of the the artists or the the art project we are very much um, interested in, or we felt deeply moved, uh, are those those work that relate to human humanity. Or with people, and um, so that's I think that's what I was was responding to the Hong Kong movement. That's already three years ago. In the beginning, I I mean I was not there, so I felt very limited to um to get to the news or to know what's really happening. But um at the same time, I'm also trying to follow up. Um. Yeah. Certain independent news or media, or some friends uh, update. So sometimes I realize I know more than my friends in Hong Kong, 
and um, so but at the same time I feel very helpless because I I could not make much things to reflect what's going on and there's already a lot of artists they they um, voice out and they make really amazing uh, artworks or protest art or illustrations um, so uh, I think after a time um, I realize it's going much more, um, more and more like unresolved brutality. Uh, of course, it happened from both sides, from from the people, they're, they're protesting, and also from the government, from the police. But we also say there's a lot of um, um, like um, systematic violence they're using. So not just about physical violence at all, how they are turning their the court or about justice that they are they're doing a lot of things that um, putting people in jail arrest them with um, uh, political uh, reason and so I feel more when 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 the when the when the fight is getting longer it's so difficult to sustain I guess it's happened similar in Myanmar as well. I think in the beginning, we, we want to fight hard. We want to um, fight for what we dream for. But after a time, people get exhausted. And there's also, um, that's coming to the downfall, seeing the people there being arrested or disappeared or fleeing. And so I'm just focusing on the, on the, on the way to share hope and to to let the people to know somehow we need to continue because um, we need that hope to continue to to um, to know that what we are fighting for is actually worth to we're fighting um, so yeah I, I think that that's the time I started writing sentences basically um, in an open source uh, method, that means I put out things on online, and the people they can download it and they can print it out. They can bring it to to the protest, or they can stick it up on on the wall. Um, so in this way, um, I could support um, the people that I want to. And on the other hand, also, there's people they got arrested, they were in prison, and especially those they have less names or they're, they're not so famous and then uh, I try to make certain artworks for them to encourage them to give them motivation and uh, to to ask just openly if someone can print it for them and uh, I was very grateful somehow it works for, for a few person like that and so through this experience I realized actually uh, even I I'm staying so far to observe what's happening, but actually I can do something still. And then th this is also around the time when the uh, when the Myanmar uh, started this uh, whole yeah whole uh, movement, and um, and then when Raise Your Fingers they make this campaign. Um, I remember this is like a like like image someone just draw uh, illustration of uh, someone raised with three fingers and then um, they make an opening call and then so I just feel that hey this is the place that uh, we, we have to to pay attention to because um, um, that, that would be much much more like a brutality 
than we know in Hong Kong, I would say. And then so yeah, I did something like that, and then I realized that the people they they were sharing it, and also many other artists they were joining this campaign, and they did it in such a um such a powerful way and in a very high quality of uh, like submissions and the website and and how they are presenting to people that actually they they are not just doing it for fun they are doing it very very serious i think um, this really touched me to see how they were they were getting people to to do something with a good cause and so yeah and then afterwards then we we have this we received this call from from them to do something for for them uh, to to paint a wall um yeah so that's that's somehow how we um got in involved and we our strength is probably to to get people to be a part of it and to reflect what the people want to say uh, to voice out for them and um, I would say this is probably also in this very um, special time with troubles, with uh, tribulations, struggles. Um, actually, artists, we have the responsibility to reflect what's going on in the society. Mm, right. Thanks for that. And you're someone who's not only supporting and standing by the Burmese artist, but you yourself are an artist who was, uh, who, who used that expression when there was conflict and problems in your own, uh, place of Hong Kong. And so I'm wondering if, because you've been an artist in Hong Kong and you've had many interactions with other artists there who were also trying to stand for freedom and express their vision and mm. face consequences for that. And then you've come in contact with so many Burmese artists through this wall that you created. What kinds of, how would you contrast the, the, the Burmese artists that you've come in contact with, with the Hong Kong ones? Where have you found uh, similarities and, um, and, and just kind of an overall humanity that is uh, an, an artistic expression that's guiding your work? And where might you have seen some, some differences in the contrast uh, from the Burmese artist, artistic community and what you've been involved with with Hong Kong? Mm-hmm. I mean, so far, I mean, I, we just know some of them, right? I mean, in Hong Kong also, we know, we got in touch with them, with the artists in Hong Kong during the last two, three years more. Before we have we we know uh, a a part of it, uh, but um, uh, what I would say is um, there's some similarity in Myanmar and Hong Kong to those artists. We got to know they're very selfless, they are very kind and warm, and they they would like to help when they can, and um, I think it's such a beautiful attitude and the balance of. Normally, when even when they're very, very technically very good and they have great ideas, they're willing to share, and to to support each other, and to they they also very very quick and to to respond, uh, very passionate. When they have internet, they're very quick. Yeah, mm, yeah. I think they are very um they're very easygoing and uh, yeah, it's a very different mentality compares to here we are here in switzerland in a more european way of thinking everyone is a bit working on their own compared to that and i think the open source like Mm. um we realized that asian artists they 
they are giving the things out and everyone like this open source mentality mm. you're working together you give your art and everyone can print it mm. where the westerns are much more like this is mine mm. or like and um, mm. sometimes very weird fights suddenly appears of like who has the ownership for something mm. um Mm. There, there was a really weird incident about the wall that also someone kind of keep like kind of wanted to make it to his own like it was a kind of mm-hmm. a, um, how you say a, mm. a challenge communication mm. and we realized we think so different mm-hmm. like we don't really care to who this idea belong or who had the idea or whatever mm-hmm. I don't really like mm. well I think for us um, it it I think the, um, it's when we are when we are collecting people's ideas or, or asking people to submit their their thoughts or their their sketch their the sentences they want to express. I think the the the, the most powerful way is when um, when they they could have the ownership of it. That means they feel they're being up taken serious and. And the voice is being a part of of the what is shown, and um, yeah. So it's not of uh, one person would would possess this this uh, piece of art, and um, yeah. I, I think, think Hong Kong people have that too. Mm-hmm. That that we are one, and we are working together, and we're helping each other, mm-hmm. <coughs> and we are mm-hmm. we we have to stand together, mm-hmm. and we are not. Mm. kind of it doesn't matter who is mm. better or not and I this th- i felt also very strong in mm. myanmar when mm. or like we felt very strong mm. but myanmar people don't many don't speak english and mm. that makes it really hard to bring it out yeah mm. Mm. Um, yeah i think there was a difference where hong kong people they're really good in connecting and getting it mm. over the internet and speaking yeah. out in english so they yeah. they had a a very strong impact or they were able to bring the mm. messages much further just mm. language wise mm. Mm. I don't know if you would agree to that but mm. this is what we observed mm. or we see that, I mean of course also in Hong Kong they have their own uh, like uh, like local language group and they also write a lot in their own language which is Cantonese or traditional Chinese uh, but we see in a lot of Myanmar uh, uh, sharing posts unless they are journalists otherwise th- a lot of uh, these posts are in their own language in, in Burmese right so which will be more difficult for people if they have no idea about even where is Myanmar and then to see these very brutal images and then to see some text they don't understand yeah. and uh, I think one of the difficult po- or one of the differences also, not many people in the Western world they've been to Myanmar, or that's so so far we experience when mm-hmm. we talk about this topic. Uh, many people they 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 went they passed by Hong Kong, or they they, they somehow changed the flight mm-hmm. in Hong Kong and stayed for a few days. So they, they have a big feeling of it, and uh, they have also they they maybe they they know about some little history of like Hong Kong used to be uh, colonized by the. British government and then went back to China now and so with Myanmar uh, some people they they don't even know this is a country which is 
yeah, for us, it's like, come on. But at the same time, it's also a bit reality because some, some, it's not a, a very, very popular country. If you compare it to Thailand or Vietnam, you know, or Laos, and so they are still less known. Like, mm. Mm. Mm, right. Yeah, that's that's all definitely true. And you, both of your background, you obviously come from Hong Kong and spent a lot of time there with in-laws. And haven't had the same experience living in Myanmar, knowing the Burmese community as others, but yet this project has brought you into proximity with a number of activists and dissidents and people working for democracy and opposing the military regime, artists. And so you've really suddenly found yourself uh, surrounded amidst the Burmese community and, and those of allies like myself. And so as in this past year, as you've become more involved in the Myanmar cause and aligned with those who are resisting and supporting democracy, what has stood out for you? What has surprised you either about the project itself and doing that or just about your interactions with the Burmese community as you've come to learn more about what's going on and what this place is and who these people are? What has stood out for you? Hmm. It's a good question. I, I mean, like these people, like mm. um, many people became really friends. Mm. Um, especially those like lived mm. in Swi- uh, living in Switzerland and really were a part of the war. Mm. So we will have mm. also a thank you dinner, mm. uh, lunch soon. Mm. Mm. Um, also, one artist who came from France, and now last week we worked in a refugee camp where there is also a Burmese person mm. who flee and is there. And it was, mm. it's very interesting because it just feels like being friends, mm. Mm. like. Damon, like Damon, met him outside, and he was just like meeting mm. an old friend, mm. even though you don't know each other actually. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. But I'm often worried, to be honest, about mm. my friends mm. because I think mm. the traumas of seeing all the images all the time mm. it getting very mm. like the, the how do you say. The news, the regularly seeing, mm-hmm. and the bombing and the killing and the images of dead bodies, it really start to eat them inside. Mm-hmm. And I want to just be a friend for them and mm-hmm. and standing still with them in their mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. But it's really, I can see that it's getting very long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm. they are really... They're not loud suffering, mm. but they're very silent suffering. Mm. Mm-hmm. And mm. but the su- the suffering is very very deep. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. I think that stood out. It's it's Myanmar people or people they can make jokes about the darkest thing. I think mm. that's kind of a way they survive. I don't know, but they have quite mm. a dark humor. Mm. Which help you to to also be with them in their really difficult times. Mm. Um, mm. But mm. seeing their silent tears, mm. that's very. Mm. It's very heavy, mm. and um, mm. I sometimes feel like yeah, we did this wall. I mean, as. As you say, right, you're from Hong Kong. We <coughs> we are doing 
many different projects for many different people. We did this magazine, uh, magazine with um, 170 artists of 68 countries. There are countries like Colombia, Iran, Russia, like so many different countries where people are inside mm-hmm. who stand against the regime really ex- extremely experience suffering. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes I feel guilty that we cannot just be for one place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's maybe why some, like our page or Instagram is not always full of Myanmar posts because mm-hmm. this is, but I am there for my friends mm-hmm. who I got to know through this project and I want to mm-hmm. be faithful them um i think also uh, especially we got to know one of the friends aunt she's we call her our grandmother but she's from Myanmar, and um so she's already from another generation but i think she also experienced um and the movement earlier before uh from the time of Aung san suki and um but she was so lovely to us. She came to help, to paint, to write their, their language uh, of, uh, on the wall. And she cooked food for us. And I think probably these are the th- things that the people, if they, they know Myanmar, they know that they have lovely food. And the people, they have such a great hospitality. Uh, when you are their friend, they help you and they give you everything. Um, I think this is a thing also similar to what I experienced in Hong Kong. When mm-hmm. the people see you as friend, they you, you're the best friend. You, you they give you everything. They give you all the support they can. Um, and uh, but it was quite quite a quite a pain that to see she's like a grandmother generation or like another generation, but she's carrying on this pain. And this guilt and these bad feelings of helplessness that she can, could not do much. But actually, she already did many, many things, I would say, mm-hmm. as much as she can support, fundraise. But um, but it's still tough that to, to see that um, that pain is still here. Um, yeah, but, uh, but I had a very funny experience with her because... She prepares song that she <laughs> she want to sing in front of the people, and um, mm-hmm. so uh, she gave me the the lyrics. Uh, I mean, I have no idea. It's just something about the mountain of the Chin uh, village, and then uh, I try to find on YouTube a video, and I try to learn because I I play guitar, I, I can play music, so mm. find all the chord. <laughs> Uh, the style, maybe you know, this is a little bit this karaoke style. So mm-hmm. Asian, a little bit old, but um, mm. like love song, like very uh, <laughs> sentimental. And then, uh, so I, I practice, I prepare the whole part. And then she was singing uh, in front of everyone and I was playing and she's not following my, my rhythm at all. <laughs> And uh, so uh, I have to sometimes catch her back, and then to say, "Now is this what are you going to sing that?" And then, mm-hmm. so, but uh, so it's actually fun, but at the same time also very sad as well. After the song, she was crying. So um, yeah, there's so much emotions. I think it's beyond what we could uh, handle sometimes. And I mean, I really wish that that will be a release that means i mean situation can change and also people they can also get out of this uh, like a really um, dark cycle of it and but at the same time realize probably in reality the world is not treating 
uh, this nation well, you know. So that's that's the thing. It's, it's a tough reality to know actually we can do something. Everyone can do something. Come on, everyone can make a change about it. But at the same time, like, hey, how and when would it, when will it be ended? And that's the difficult part to to face, I think. Yeah, and when you talked about the similarity to Hong Kong, mm-hmm. one thing we realize, mm-hmm. and I think it's also in our own, mm-hmm. you never feel enough. Like, you know, whenever I talk to our Burmese friends, everyone mm. feels like he doesn't do enough. Everyone feels guilty. Mm. It's this constant guilt of not being there, not looking, not fighting, not not doing enough. Mm. It's never... And I think actually even the people fighting on the front, they feel not doing enough. Mm. Or when they get insured, they don't feel enough. And the same we saw in Hong Kong as well. Mm. but especially for everyone who is outside of the country or who flee or who left it's this feeling i i kind of failed mm. i didn't mm. i didn't give enough and i mm. um i read books about the holocaust and i i read about this this fact that so many holocaust like the survivors in the holocaust they felt mm. guilt. the the biggest pain was the guilty feeling mm. of feeling that they survived because others died. Mm. And so what what we do personally very often is talking with our friends about these points mm. and ensure each them and to say like, do you know that you do enough? Mm. And do you know that what that you are enough, what you are as well? Mm. And I think it's something we have to tell each other very often. Mm because we really easily forget it mm-hmm. and it's a pain it's a mm-hmm. universal pain we all carry mm-hmm. but if we don't give it a name then we will never we are feel so alone with it mm-hmm. yeah yeah because the burden is very heavy on um, and everyone is carrying their own backpacker you know and I feel there's so many people there. It's not a decision. They want to carry that, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, it's the experience and it's the timing and so much things that um, they could not uh, digest. And they see people there. They are also people around them. They're, they're carrying their own backpacker. And so I feel that's such a heaviness, right? Uh, at the same time, you know, I think probably... Uh, Asian people, when they are happy, when they smile, when they just being satisfied by maybe eating something nice, or you know, so they are so simple, almost naive. But at the you same also, time, we are all. yeah, we are. <laughs> but at the same time, this heaviness is actually very difficult to deal with. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. And then you often have it also in the family, right? Mm. Like. We experience in our own family that there are mm. people there for the regime and, and against, right? Mm. And you mm. you sometimes don't even know anymore who is on what side. Mm. And it's so conflicted because it's inside the family. It's your mm. brothers and sisters, or mm. I don't, you know. Mm. So it's not just black and white, the whole story. Mm. And, and all these things makes it that you feel like alone. Mm-hmm. and not able to talk like mm. guilty to talk guilty to <coughs> yeah to mm. to react mm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm, well, thank you for sharing all that. That's really quite a bit to take in. And I, I think it's really, it's also just so inspiring to hear from people as yourselves who don't necessarily have a background in Myanmar, but mm-hmm. are choosing to <sighs> devote so much of your time and attention and creativity towards this conflict and this people that have been crying out for attention for the last two years for support for engagement and this is a very novel and clever way to bring people in through another door you know through the door of art and expression and once they or murals uh, cityscape you know and once they come in through that they can then learn a bit something about the conflict so you know Mm. i think a lot of people have seen what you've done around the world a lot of people appreciate it and Mm. that you know you didn't have to do this you're raising three children on your own you you you're exiled from your own land this isn't a conflict that is impacting you and yet to to take on this burden i think means a lot for a lot of people so just really appreciate the work that you've done behind that as well as taking time to talk to us today about what you've done and what drove you to do that so um yeah just really thanks for all that Mm. yeah you're welcome thanks for your work you're doing (laughs) and the faithfulness you guys have i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think it takes a long brief Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we could just we could just do a little rock to support and to to hold our hands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably this is also um, I mean our small motivation sometimes, um, even to do it for one person. You know, even just one person might got the message or or feel the hope or to see the light, and that's enough. Um, right. This gives us already enough reason to to do what we are doing. Yeah, it's actually interesting. That's years ago. I think it was two thousand sixteen. Mm. I, them was it two thousand sixteen? I mm. I like I got to know a really wonderful woman in Hong Kong, and she's um, a political activist. And I remember I asked her because I was often wondering how can you become a like how can your life turned to be a political activist. Did you choose that? Or like, how does this happen? And, um, and I often, so I asked her and I, I mean, at that time I didn't know what lies ahead of us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as um, yeah, growing up, I mean, I have my story, which is not an easy story, but still it's not mm-hmm. such a story. So I asked her and I said to her, like, how did it come that, or like, how did it happen that you became, like, that you became a political activist? And then she said to me, um, it just, it knocked on the door and I opened. Mm-hmm. And I found it such a strong sentence because today I would say it's the same answer. I decided long time ago that when someone knock on my door I open and I listen what I do with it I don't know but I will listen mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not means that I I can react but I will listen and to be honest it was as simple as this I feel like David and me we opened the door and we listened and that's how we ended up being where we are today mm-hmm. and today today sometimes I wish that I would not open the door and not listen but mm-hmm. on the other hand I face the mirror if I don't open and I don't listen. And I think that's that's a life decision. And I I think so many people they're telling like, 
oh, I, I don't know, or like, oh, this doesn't interest me, or like, or kind of bringing some kind of excuses. And I always think, yes, because you don't open the door and you don't listen. That's okay, but don't bring some excuses for it. Because it's painful to open the door and listen. It's very painful. But this is kind of, for me, that I can look into my children's face. I have to do that. I think that's my responsibility as a human being. And sometimes we listen and we say, I'm overwhelmed. I, I'm, it's too much. I can't do anything. And that's okay. You know, it's important to learn to be honest in all these fights with our limits and our, yeah, our limitations. And this is what I tell very often to actually my warmest friend. I say, learn to be honest with your limitation. Listen and tell that you can't. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We have to learn that mm-hmm. there are things in front of our doors mm-hmm. we don't know how to handle. Mm-hmm. And we, we have to, like, the thing is that when... <clears throat> I remember a long time ago, I was once, we were in a very devastated situation and I tried to get some help and I talked to some psychologists and different people with it, about it. And everyone gave me some kind of explanations and I don't know what. And then I remember, I, it, was really, it was a very crazy situation actually. My body reacted so crazily that I couldn't move anymore. And then we called one coaching, like a trauma therapist. And she said to us, this is red light. People like you would end up in a psychiatry. This is so bad, Rahel. This is so, so bad what what I see at the moment in in your situation. And she was so shocking looking at me, like really, and she just spoke it out, like very, very bold, you know, like this is red light. Stop it immediately. You have to make a break, you know. And I, I realized she gave me a mirror of what really is the reality. She showed me a mirror that my pain is real. And she showed me a mirror that what I'm going through is nightmare. And I realized this is what we need from each other. When we open the door and we listen, we have to give a mirror to the other person, that the other person know that what she or he carries is real. It's a reality. It's painful, it's devastating, or if it's joyful or whatever, but they need a mirror to see the reality and the truth. And this is what we can give each other. And I think Mm -hmm. this is what we did with the wall and with the art. And sometimes I am tired, and then I show a tired face, but it also shows something that this person see, what I'm carrying, it's tiring, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but this is what we try to... Mm -hmm to mirror it, to to react honestly and to learn that life is not a straight path. Mm. But I think, to be honest, you know, a flower can be hit by the rain like crazy and the storm and it looks like she died. But in the next day, when she opened the petals, she looks even more beautiful. And mm. I have to admit, even though it was so painful seeing Hong Kong and everything, I feel... Almost all of our friends, they got more beautiful. They got more humans. They, mm. I also think that our marriage and our relationship and we by ourselves got more beautiful. Mm. Even we lost a lot of naivety, but I feel we got 
something that that I would never ever want to give away again. Mm. It's a richness. It's like diamonds you cannot replace. Mm. Mm. And sometimes it needs a storm. I don't understand why usually, mm. <laughs> but mm. yeah. Mm. 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 Well, thank you. That's that's lovely. Thank you f- so much for taking the time to share the thoughts about yeah. your life and background and mission, as well as this wall you did and sending out, uh, just as you say, sometimes you just have to hear a voice uh, knocking on the door and, and open and answer it. Hopefully this is a that voice that's knocking on the door for some people. So thanks thanks mm-hmm. so much for being that voice to whoever's tuning in today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. And thanks for giving a chance. Even in the beginning, we didn't know where it ends, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> We want to take a moment to introduce you to our nonprofit Better Burma's online shop, which features handicrafts sourced from artisan communities scattered throughout Myanmar. Far from being mass-produced knockoffs, the pieces we offer are unique and handmade, reflecting the wide diversity of different peoples found throughout the country. When Myanmar experienced its transition period, moving from democracy in the late 2010s after decades of harsh military dictatorship, many Burmese craftspeople hoped their beautiful work could finally be appreciated beyond the country. When Myanmar experienced its transition period, moving towards democracy in the late 2010s after decades of harsh military dictatorship, many Burmese craftspeople hoped their beautiful work could finally be appreciated beyond the country's borders. But sadly, this was not to be so. Following the military coup, many skilled artisans suddenly found all possibility of continuing their livelihood closed off and began struggling just to feed their families. With this in mind, we prioritize working with artisans from disadvantaged and vulnerable backgrounds because we know just how hard it can be to survive at the margins of society in Myanmar. This includes such people as those with disabilities, mothers who have contracted HIV-AIDS, civil servants on CDM, ethnic and religious minorities, and more. To view these wonderful pieces, please visit alokacrafts.com. That's aloka, A-L-O-K-A, crafts, C-R-A-F-T-S. One word, alokacrafts.com. Otherwise, please consider a donation through our usual channels. If you would like to join in our mission to support those in Myanmar who are being impacted by the military coup, we welcome your contribution in any form, currency, or transfer method. Your donation will go on to support a wide range of humanitarian and media missions, aiding those local communities who need it most. Donations are directed to such causes as the Civil Disobedience Movement, CDM, Families of Deceased Victims, Internally Displaced Person, IDP Camps, Food for Impoverished Communities, Military Defection Campaigns, Undercover Journalists, Refugee Camps, Monasteries and Nunneries, Education Initiatives, the Purchasing of Protective Equipment and Medical Supplies, COVID Relief, and more. We also make sure that our donation fund supports a diverse range of religious and ethnic groups across the country. We invite you to visit our website to learn more about past projects as well as upcoming needs. You can give a general donation or earmark your contribution to a specific activity or project you would like to support, perhaps even something you heard about in this very episode. All of this humanitarian work is carried out by our nonprofit mission, Better Burma. Any donation you give on our Insight Myanmar website is directed towards this fund. Alternatively, you can also visit the Better Burma website, betterburma.org, and donate directly there. In either case, your donation goes to the same cause in both websites except credit card. You can also give via PayPal by going to paypal.me slash betterburma. 
Additionally, we can take donations through Patreon, Venmo, GoFundMe, and Cash App. Simply search Better Burma on each platform and you'll find our account. You can also visit either website for specific links to these respective accounts or email us at info at betterburma.org. That's Better Burma, one word, spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-B-U-R-M-A dot org. If you would like to give it another way, please contact us. We also invite you to check out our range of handicrafts that are sourced from vulnerable artisan communities across Myanmar, available at alokacrafts.com. Any purchase will not only support these artisan communities, but also our nonprofit's wider mission. That's Aloka Crafts, spelled A-L-O-K-A-C-R-A-F-T-S, one word, alokacrafts.com. Thank you so much for your kind consideration and support. Oh, ba, yaran nanda, da, yaran nanda, 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 yaran nanda,